Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. What do you have if God is there and we're here and there's nothing between us and God? You have closeness. My whole life, I've wondered, why is it that some people get closer to Jesus than other people do? I've seen children, teenagers, adults, seniors, some are closer to Jesus than others. Matter of fact, it was just a couple of weeks ago, we were, my wife and I were at our, our oldest son and his family at their house and we're having dinner. And just out of the blue in dinner, my oldest son, David, asked me, he said, Dad, you sometimes talk about the closeness that you had with your father. He said, you know, what made for that? How, how did that happen? And I, I, I'm probably going to give a, a clearer and better answer to you than I did on the spot then. But I remember talking about the trust. There's just such a trust. I, I knew my dad loved me, but I also knew it was a kind of love that whatever he said, whatever he did was always in my best interest. He, he loved me that much. And then uh, there was that tr- trust, but also there was that um, connectedness through having common interests. You know, so many things that I have had an interest in in my life were something that my dad was very interested in. So we did a lot of things together. And, and you know, it started with a, a pony. This is my first pony. How many know I'm already outgrowing that pony? <laughs> Within a year, I had a horse. Now, he, that came from my dad. He, with the Royal Canadian Man of Police, he had learned uh, horsemanship. And uh, we had horses when I was growing up as a teenager. And then also, uh, motorbikes. I drove a motorbike, but I don't remember even getting my uh, license test because I just always knew how to drove, drive a, a motorbike. And my dad used to train the Mounties in Ottawa to drive motorbikes. That's me uh, sitting there. My first ride on my dad's motorbike, all right? And then, uh, we, so we had that in common. We go on motorcycle trips together and then building. Now, this is a bad picture, I, I know, but this is just um, the deck of my very first major building program when I was 12 years old in Halifax. And this is just a, a deck outside of a cottage that I built on a creek that was right in our, our backyard. And we loved to build together, my dad. And uh, then also canoe trips, we did a lot of those, and that's me, and I know it's not the best picture, but we did a lot of canoe trips, and uh, we, we, matter of fact, I remember that my dad and I had a uh, dream that someday we would take um, a camping trip into the Canadian wilderness as far west in Canada as you could go. And so when my dad was uh, in the hospital, he was dying. Uh, we, we got permission to take him out of the hospital for a few days. And we traveled over to Tofino in British Columbia and uh, had a camping site there, got some salmon and uh, cooked it over an open fire. And dad and I sat there on the west coast of Canada talking about why did he have cancer and, 
and uh, the goodness of God in his life and prayed for my siblings. And we, we, we talked about what reunion would look like in heaven because it was not long after that my dad went to be with the Lord. You say, well, no wonder you can have a closeness to Father God because you had a template of closeness with your earthly father. No wonder you can be close to Jesus, Pastor Keith, because you already knew how to do closeness from your family relationships. You had trust, you had connectedness through common interests, and there was that devotion to Jesus that you shared with your your dad. I agree, except, except this. I've seen it happen in decades of pastoring, and it's like supernatural. It's, It's people whose fathers were absent, or a father who was totally emotionally distant, or worse yet, a father who was abusive. I've seen those people that have come from that kind of uh, parental relationship, and I've seen Jesus bring a deep level of healing and, and restoration in, in their lives. Sometimes I almost, I remember just looking in on them. It's almost like I'd they had a depth of closeness with Jesus in some areas of their life that I could only sort of look in on and marvel at. I remember this new Christian and totally new to Jesus and uh, came from a broken family and, you know, uh, anyway, in not in the best relationship then, but he came to Jesus and just gave his life to Jesus totally. And I remember one time I, I invited people to come for prayer at the end of a gathering and, and he was praying, but he was also crying. He was sobbing. And I thought, oh, maybe there's something wrong I can go and pray with him about. So I offered, he said, he looked up at me. I never forget the, the tears and the, the joy that was uh, coming through those uh, tear-stained eyes, and he looked up at me and said, oh, no, no, I'm all right, Pastor Keith. He says, I just love Jesus so much. He's done so much for me. You know, it reminded me a bit of the Apostle Peter because he was an unlikely person to have closeness with Jesus, wasn't he? Remember, he said, stay away from me, Jesus. I'm a sinful man. And yet he's one of the three that theologians call the inner circle. If you've ever read the Gospels, you know, Peter, James, and John, they would, Jesus would take them places that he didn't take the other of the 12 disciples. And uh, when he was transfigured on that mountain, uh, when he was praying in Gethsemane, and then there was this time where he healed uh, uh, Jairus's daughter. And when he arrived at the house, so it's recorded in Luke, one of the, uh, the gospel writers that records the events of Jesus while he was in his public ministry on earth, he says, when he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. You know, th- that, that was not unusual. Why were those three... Uh, brought into this closeness with Jesus that the other 12 of the disciples, they, they did not have it. And what about you and me? Will you describe your relationship with Jesus as, as close? Maybe more important for today, do you want it to be close? You know, I was with uh, our seniors um, they had a hymn sing and I was doing communion for them last Thursday and they're on the video screen 
on the Zoom call, the Zoom gathering, and I just went around on the different pages because there was over 80 of them online and just looked at their faces and their devotion as they sang these songs just praising Jesus. My wife and I have had times where we've been online during the pandemic with our young adults group and just the questions they have. You get to see that, that longing for closeness to Jesus. I was in my doctor's office. He's a follower of Jesus, medical doctor, a, a couple of days ago. And, and we got talking about Jesus and, 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 and just, he just spoke so movingly about God's blessing upon his own life. And, and after he left, he, he sent a note that, and, and he said, he just said how, how grateful he was for our visit, that he was blessed as always. You know, I, just the closeness. Why do some people have this closeness to Jesus? I've wondered about that all my life. And today I'm ready to share <laughs> how it can happen for you. All right? Seven choices. Because it is my choice how close to Jesus I become. Seven choices that will bring you closer to Jesus. Here's the first one. Walk in the shoes of people Jesus mentored in the Gospels. Just... Put yourself in their shoes and let that be Jesus talking to and helping and correcting and, and loving you. Put yourself in their shoes. I, I grew up in a, a church where, you know, I heard sermons and uh, I knew all the Sunday school choruses and all the stories about David and Goliath, Daniel in the lion's den, Jesus walking on the water. But they, at that time, they all came from a wonderful translation of the Bible, the King James Version, but it was in the 1600s and then updated a bit, but it was hithers and thithers and go hither and thither and thee, thy, and thou. And I just got the idea that, that God was distant and just like that language just sort of seemed to remove him a little bit. And I was at the age of 13 where... I think it was my mother who gave me a, a copy of a, of a translation of the Bible from the, from the Greek of the New Testament that it was originally written in, and it was written into modern-day English. And oh my goodness, I read Matthew. I couldn't stop. I read Mark and Luke and John. You know, those are the four Gospels. They tell the story about Jesus traveling around. And, and just, just the way he interacted with people, the respect, the love, the, the dignity that he gave them. Pastor Jonathan talked about it last week in, in his uh, teaching in this series. And he talked about how Jesus valued women and he gave them such dignity. He did the same thing for children who were supposed to be, you know, just not heard from at all. He treated, remember that young adult, if you read the story, that young adult that rejected Jesus and it says Jesus loved him. He championed the outcasts. He stood up for the rejected. Those that nobody spoke up for, he would speak up for them in that society that he lived in during his public ministry. And, and then there were those that were jealous of how many people were following Jesus because they were the established religious leaders. So you can sort of understand why they'd be a bit jealous of how popular Jesus was. So they, they kept trying to trap Jesus. Can you imagine trying to trap the intellectual ability of the, the Son of God. And, uh, you know, they, they said, you know, the, the law says this woman that's caught in adultery, that she should be, you know, people pick up stones and they throw them at her until she's dead. And Jesus said, okay. He said, then, then whoever of you doesn't have any sin, you be the one that 
throws the first stone. <laughs> of course, they just, the crowd sort of thinned out. No one stood around to do that. And then remember the time um, they tried to trick Jesus by, you know, try and make him show that, uh, you know, we, maybe he sided with this oppressive Roman uh, government that uh, had illegitimately moved in to their country. I can think of some place happening in the world sort of along that lines right now. Oh, God help those precious people in Ukraine and the people in Russia and the, the people who are just uh, reaching out to God at this time. May the church be strong. I'm hearing from pastor friends who are, are um, you know, they're opening up the basements of the church to have a place to have a bomb shelter to keep people safe. But, but here you see the, the, Jesus just was always there for those kind of people that no one was there for. And there was one time that uh, Jesus was asked about paying taxes to Caesar because that was the oppressor at the time, uh, the, the Romans and Caesar by Caesar. And Jesus said, get me a coin. And he picked it up and he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. He says, whose image was on this coin? Caesar. Give to Caesar what is Caesar and God, <laughs> what is God's? He was always answering a question with a question. Somebody was asked, why do you always answer a question with a question? They said, why shouldn't I? <laughs> and Jesus, remember Pastor Jonathan told that story about how he cared for that thief who was being crucified, Jesus in his pain and separated from God cared for that thief and brought him into paradise that very day. Do you know he also from the cross watched out for his mother? He said to John, one of those in the inner circle, he said, John, will you take care of my mom? Of course, Lord, that's what friends are for. Jesus just, uh, he just was my hero when I read through the Bible. I, uh, you know, here's, here's another one, because we're coming up to Easter. Do you remember the time, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, when Peter denied knowing Jesus because he was afraid of getting crucified himself. Right when Jesus needed him most, Peter denies him. And then listen to Jesus after he rises from the dead and the women are at the tomb in the early morning and, and, and they're told, take this message to the disciples. But here's what it says. Have you ever noticed this? Go tell his disciples and Peter. <laughs> Peter was seeing such, the last memory he had of being with Jesus was letting Jesus down. And so Jesus just started taking a moment to care for someone who had failed him, but he knew Peter's heart. Go tell his disciples, I'm Peter, that I'm alive now. You see, I grew up in a church, and over the years, I, I've heard weird stuff coming from Christians. Man, can you ever hear almost anything you want to hear on the internet today? And some of them are people who say that they follow Jesus, and not a whole lot of love there sometimes. But I've had times where friends have left the closeness with Jesus, I've had times where church leaders have failed morally, people that I respected and followed, and they just let others and myself down. And every time, I, all I would have to do is get into the Gospels and get with Jesus, get my eyes back on Jesus. And every time, it's got me back on track. So walk in the shoes of people Jesus mentored in the Gospels and, and, and closeness with Jesus will come. And then secondly, be real about how much you can trust Jesus' love for you. Now watch this. I'm going to ask you a question. Can you imagine being loved by Jesus as much as God the Father loves his son? Now, come on. 
I mean, that would just be mind-blowing, you know, life imploding love. How could we even handle it? Look at this. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. That's how much you're loved. Can you imagine being loved so much that someone, only because they loved you, gave their life for you so that you could live? They did. It's happened. Look at this. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this than the one who lays down their life for one's friends. And that's exactly what Jesus did for you. And do you know what? Do you know what follower of Jesus in the first century there wrote the most about love? <laughs> it wasn't just in the Gospels. He wrote three other letters and so much of it is about loving God and loving each other. Now, watch this about John. That's what I'm talking about. The Apostle John who wrote that Gospel. He... In the three years after traveling with Jesus, when he looks back and he writes about it, he doesn't refer to himself the way you would think, you know. Oh, Peter and James and myself, you know, I, I was there. Peter, James, and me, you know, we were, we were there. No, no, watch this. He says, Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. That's how he refers to himself. I, I don't know what identity struggles John could have had. I don't know what his insecurities were. Uh, but I, I do know that he just couldn't stop writing that he was loved by Jesus. Something about Jesus' love for him just reset his identity so much that he doesn't refer to himself even by name, only just that I'm the one that Jesus loved. He couldn't write about himself without referring to how much he was loved by Jesus. Can you imagine you, uh, if you sent out an email and you signed it off instead of putting your name, you know, I'm the one who Jesus loves. Well, and the person get an email, they'd say, they could say, well, that could be anybody. And that's true because Jesus loves every one of us. It's true, but listen to me, not everyone is like John. Not everyone accepts that reality. Uh, oh, there are people that maybe because they didn't have someone love them like Father God does love them like Jesus does, and so they, they struggle to receive that kind of unconditional, that healing, that restoring love. You know, uh, one of the most special things that will happen in you when you accept and trust the love of Jesus is, is you'll have a closeness to Jesus like you never had before. And then third, trust his authority as the Lord of your life. Trust his authority as the Lord of your life. Look at this. Jesus says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Then he says this. You are my friends. If. <laughs> You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Now, I'm sort of stuck back on, you are my friends if. You know, that can sort of, first reading, that can sort of sound like Jesus is saying, you can be my friend, but only if you do what I say. Not what's being said here at all. Let, let me illustrate. I remember, I remember the times that I was most distant from my dad. <laughs> uh, it was when I had done wrong, when I'd let him down. I hadn't done the right thing that he had asked me to do. I disrespected his authority in my life. And there was guilt. There was, you know, Margaret sang that song, Nothing 
nothing between us. Well, there was things between us that had to be cleaned up before there could be closeness. But I did have that closeness when I made things right, when I respected his authority as my father, when I did the right thing that he asked me to do, when I honored him as the rightful authority in my life, you know what happened? I had closeness with him. You know, it's it's the same with Jesus. If I'm not doing what Jesus is asking me to do, there's going to be stuff between us. But when I trust him as the authority of my life, (laughs) I trust him as my Lord. There's that closeness that comes because he's not just another person, right? He's not just a friend. He's God who has chosen to bring me close and enter into that closeness with me that he even describes as a friendship. What a privilege. But it only happens when I trust his authority as Lord. Only then do I experience him as friend. All right, the fourth choice that can bring you closer to Jesus is this. Love who Jesus loves. Love who Jesus loves. Here's Jesus talking in John 15. He's always talking about love, right? Apostle John, here he is again. Jesus says, now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. What's your command, Jesus? My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Listen to me closely now. If you ever find yourself sensing distance from Jesus, your love for Jesus, there's a distance there. Check your love for other people. Check your love for other people. You see... You'll never, you'll never meet a person that Jesus doesn't love. <laughs> However unlikable and unlovable they may be to you at times. But you say, Jesus, you love me when I'm like that, so I have what it takes to love others. It, it, something supernatural happens when, when something, someone's unlovable in your experience, and they say or do something that hurts, and you want to judge them, and you want to get back, but instead you, you try to make things right. You, you gift them the love that Jesus has gifted you. It, it can go like this. You, they do that thing that hurts, or you maybe misunderstand, and you judge, and, 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 and you want to uh, say something back that's a little bit nasty. Instead, you decide to reach out to them. And to listen, and you hear their story, and you hear where they're coming from. How many have done that? And so many times, mercy triumphs over judgment. God, you're merciful to me. I can be merciful to this person. My closeness to Jesus increases or decreases in direct proportion to my love for others. It's remember, like I said, like my dad and I. One of the reasons we were close is we had common interests. <laughs> Well, when I love people, I share the most humongous common interest (laughs) with Jesus. He loves people so much. And when I love what he loves, I'm close to him. All right, number five. Number five, grow closer and closer to his spirit. Why, Why do I say to his spirit? Why not say closer and closer to Jesus? Because Jesus was here in a physical body, ascended into heaven, and said, I'm going to send my spirit He's going to teach you things. The way you, you and I get closer to Jesus, with Jesus in heaven and sending his spirit, is we get closer and closer to his Holy Spirit. John uh, was right when he recorded that 
that Jesus said to his disciples one day, I'm returning to the Father, going to prepare a place for you. I won't be with you physically or visually. And then he says this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Another means just one like you have now, just like Jesus, another of the same, another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. Look at this. I will come to you. He comes to us through his Holy Spirit. It's the spirit of Jesus that he comes to us. Have you ever been in the scripture like I was in the gospels as a early teenager? And, or, or you prayed and you just sensed, uh, sensed something of, that, it was, that Jesus was listening or, or you praised. Maybe even today you were praising with Margaret and the band and your, your heart was just sensing something of, of the closeness of Jesus. You know, that's the Holy Spirit that is bringing that closeness of Jesus. You know, I was thinking this past week, uh, I was telling one of my sons how often my dad would whistle. <laughs> Do you ever have a dad that whistled? Uh, I don't know whether dads don't do it as much anymore. Um, but he, you know what song I would hear him whistle more than any else? It was a, just a chorus of an old hymn. The words are this. I knew the words. And he, speaking of Jesus, and he walks with me and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Just that closeness that he had. He could be sawing wood or doing, cutting the grass or whatever, and he'd be whistling, and, and, and just knowing that closeness with Jesus. That was the Holy Spirit. I remember being in Hong Kong, speaking to a, a group of global workers at a retreat. And there was a day off before I had to fly back to Canada. And they said, what do you want to do? You, do you want to go to China? And there was this special economic zone in China that we were allowed to go into at that particular point in time. And I said, oh, yes. And I was in China and I was walking across this park, people on bicycles and every, uh, and But there was this one man that, that just, you know, he thought he looks like uh, a Westerner. <laughs> And he went over to me and he said in his best English, he says, how much do I have to pay to have eternal life? And my heart went out to him and I, I didn't know because China was different even back then. I didn't know, am I going to be arrested for, for responding to that question? But I could just feel this man, he was reaching out, he wanted closeness to God, and my heart went out to him, and I said, oh, no, no, do you know what? You don't have to pay anything. You just say, I received the gift that you already paid for. Jesus, you died on the cross for me, and I receive your forgiveness. And a crowd began to gather around, and I just shared them the good news of Jesus People that I'd never met before, people that I may not see again, but I may see some of them in heaven because that's all it takes is just reaching out and saying, Jesus, I received the gift of forgiveness that you have given me. I wonder about you. Are you trying to be good enough, trying to be religious enough? Or are you just, uh, you, maybe you heard the baptismal testimony earlier in this gathering from Carter who just said that he went to God for what he could get out of him. And then he learned that it's all about surrendering and trusting Jesus, letting him be the Lord of your life. Have you done, at the end of our gathering today, I'm gonna pray with you, give you the opportunity to begin life with Jesus today. All right, number six, number six, trust his heart 
when you can't see his hand. If you've followed Jesus for any length of time, you've gone through stuff, either the mistreatment of people or the setback of circumstances, one of those two, that have sort of made you wonder, God, do you even see what's going on here? You've been through something and sometimes we just can't sense the closeness of Jesus. You know, that's when you have to just look at the facts, look at the truth. I love the way the Apostle Paul says this when he wrote Christians in Rome. He said this, since he, God, did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? (laughs) I mean, if he's already done the biggest that he ever could do, the greatest love that he could ever express, giving his own son, if he's already said, I love you that much, then anything else is like pocket change in comparison. He'll, he'll take care of us. He's going to get us through. And so we understand that we, we have to place our faith in him based on who he is and what he has done for us. Even during those times where we don't understand. Some of you are going through one of those times right now. And the Apostle Paul also makes clear, he says, you know, now we understand partially partially and incompletely. But then when we're in heaven, he says, we'll know everything completely. Until then, listen, if you don't have an answer, you do have the answerer. (laughs) You, You know how much he loves you. You can trust him with the rest. Trust his heart even when you can't see his hand. All right, and then seven, Long to be in his presence forever. You know, how many found this? Normally, the more you get to know people, the closer you get to people, the more you see their flaws and their failures. <laughs> it's the opposite with Jesus. The more you get to know him, the closer you get to him. The, you say with uh, Pilate in the Gospels, I find no fault in him. You know, you say with Peter, Peter uh, followed Jesus and then, After Jesus was in heaven, the Spirit was with Peter and he went and told other people the good news about Jesus. But in one of Peter's last letters that he wrote, you can see it in your own copy of the New Testament, 2 Peter it's called, he marvels at the privilege of being what he calls eyewitnesses of his majesty. You just see him almost homesick for those good old days where he traveled with Jesus. I had the privilege, that was the Son of God. The king of kings, I was an eyewitness of his majesty. And he ends his letter by saying to him, be glory and honor now and forevermore. And John, remember John says, Jesus was the word with God, created everything all from the beginning, but he became flesh and dwelt among us. But when he meets Christ risen from the dead, you know what John says? He's on the island of Patmos. It's in the last book of the Bible. It said, when he met the risen Christ, he says, I fell at his feet as though dead. He talks about him being the king of kings and the Lord of lords in his letter. The apostle Paul said, for me to live is Christ. I'd rather die so I could be with Jesus. But if, I, if, if I'm alive, I'm gonna make sure that it means He calls it fruitful labor, like loving other people, helping other people come to know Jesus. But look at this. He says this, I long to be with Jesus. There's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And look at this. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. You know what happens? when you long for Jesus, you long to be with him forever, 
You know things are not right here and you, you want to be in a place where everything's right for, for all of eternity. You know, when you have that kind of closeness that we've seen through these seven ways that we can get closer to Jesus, you know what happens? People can see Jesus in you. <laughs> Matter of fact, I found uh, the way uh, that Peter and John are described about being close to Jesus when they're brought up on trial for all things for healing a guy. And, and, but the Spirit is with them. And, and, and listen to what it says. I found this in that Phillips translation, the Bible that meant so much to me as a, as a young teenager. Look at this. When they, the, the, uh, those that brought them on trial, the religious police kind of thing, when they saw the complete assurance of Peter and John, who were obviously uneducated and untrained men, they were staggered. I mean, let's listen in their talk. Where are they getting this stuff from? They recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. <laughs> Associated with Jesus. Wouldn't you love that? That you were so close to Jesus that when people met you, it, they just saw something different and more and good and Jesus-like in you. It reminded me of a story I told our church family years ago. It happened before we uh, moved to Toronto. And... Uh, my wife Esther and I, her, her family, her parents immigrated from Sicily in Italy and we were going back there to meet cousins and relatives that she never had had a chance to meet and we were supposed to go to the, the, the town in Sicily, Salemi was the name of the town, and we were to find a relative whose name was Nino Marino. And so we got off the boat from Napoli overnight and landed in Sicily and rented a little Volkswagen rabbit car and found our way to Salemi. But when we got there, the street names, there's this huge Catholic church and in the center of the city, town square, but we, we just didn't know. Uh, th we couldn't figure out where he ever would live, even though it was a smaller town. And so we were walking, we got out of the car and we were walking down some of these narrow streets and I noticed a woman um, had taken a carpet out of her apartment and she was shaking it out on the balcony of her apartment. I said, Esther, ask her. And Esther knew enough Italian. She, she, I didn't know what she said, but she obviously said, do you know where Nino Marino lives? And the woman said, Nino, who? You know, Nino Marino. And, and uh, she stopped and then she calls out her daughter who was in the apartment. Hey, you know, calls her by name. Get out here, you know. Do you know where Nino Marino lives? And, and I said to Esther, I said, it just was like something out of an old cinematic scene of a black and white movie. I said, just keep this going. This is just amazing. I was just so entertained by, it was just like a, I was in a different zone, different place and time. And, and then they called the person from the, that lived next door and they came out on the balcony. Nino Marino, before you know, you've got half a Salemi out on their balcony, sort of you know, saying, do you know where Nino Marino lives? And then somebody said this out of the, they said, Nino Marino Evangelista? And Esther said, yeah, see, Nino Marino Evangelista, Evangelista, Evangel, good news, Jesus. It was a way of differentiating someone who followed Jesus and wasn't just part of the Catholic Church, but they were a real follower of Jesus. Nino Marino Evangelista. Ah, and he took us to where he lived, walked us down the street to where he lived. I've never forgotten that. Nino Marino was better known 
for being associated with Jesus than he was even for his own name. Oh, I want to be like that in the communities that I live and the relationships that I have and tell them what Jesus. I want to have that kind of closeness with Jesus that I'm known more than, anything, than for anything else of, of my closeness, my relationship with Jesus. And I, I know you want that too. I'm going to pray a prayer that the Apostle Paul prays for Christians in Ephesus. And you know, all the things he could have prayed for them, he wants them to go deeper in knowing the love of Jesus. Because he knows, just like I know this for you, when you experience more depth of the love of Jesus, it changes the way you have relationships with other people. And as you're hearing today, it gives you a closeness with Jesus beyond anything you've ever had before. But first, can I just, how many are, are with me? And you're saying, Pastor Keith, if you'll pray, I'm ready to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Thank you that you love me. You died on the cross for me. I understand it's a gift. I received that gift today. How many you want to open your heart and say, I want to begin following Jesus today? Can you just whisper a line at a time of this prayer after me? And, and a miracle is going to happen in your heart. Jesus is going to come in. He's going to cleanse. And he's going to live in your life. And you're going to begin life with Jesus. Just pray this after me. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for the gift of your forgiveness that you paid for when you died for me on the cross. I receive you into my life. I want to live for you all the days of my life right into heaven when I die. I want to love you back, Jesus. I want to live for you. Oh, in Jesus' name, amen. Now our host, Jerry's going to tell you how you can just take the next step so that you can just keep following Jesus after that special time of opening your life to him. Now let me pray for each one. How many, you want to be close to Jesus? <laughs> let me pray what was prayed over the first century Christians and pray it over you in 2022. Let me pray. The Apostle Paul prayed this over Christians in Ephesus, now modern day Turkey. He says, when I think of all this, God's love, he says, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. <laughs> then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Oh, thank you for your love, Jesus. We want to be close to you. Amen. Amen. Love you, church. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.